Looking to start your own website? The first thing you need is a domain name, and the best place to get one is at GoDaddy.com. With your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $7.49 a year. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Here, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because Ben's waiting for a cooler addition to the theme park, this is MuggleCast episode 191 for February the 4th, 2010. Welcome everyone to episode 191 of MuggleCast. I'm here with Ben, Jamie, and Micah. Hello, boys. Hey. hey. It's an all-boys hey. special today, isn't it? It's an all. Yeah, this is an interesting group. It's I an feel old like, school. Yeah, it is old school. Yeah. I feel like there's not going to be any balance. This this has potential to get a little crazy, if you know what I'm saying. It could you do. Know, yeah. Usually we have a female anchor or or someone less funny than all of us. So it sort of balances out, but today it's going to be crazy. Where's Laura when you need her? <laughs> Costa Rica. We have a wonderful show. There's so much news lately, and uh, we're going to start off our chapter-by-chapter chapter series for Prisoner of Azkaban. And oh, Wow, so, so it only more. took us like five years to get through two books. Chapter <laughs> yeah. Well, we had significant breaks in between. Did we start like eight times as well? We've done books one, two, and seven right now. I think that's pretty good. We okay, can't count, though, if we we'll done by the year, like, 2016. And we're doing three chapters at a time now, too, so. Cool. Yep. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I'm Jamie Lawrence. And I'm Mike Atanata. I said there's been a lot of news what's what's the latest from the news well desk? Uh, wanted to start off talking about something that we all participated in i guess it was two weeks ago now the uh helping katie heal yes. campaign that was put together by the harry potter alliance and as of today uh they've raised over sixty six thousand dollars wow uh, for haiti which is just amazing is, isn't it more than that isn't it up to like yeah i think it's 000? over 70 Oh, is it? Yeah. I was looking on their website. They need to update their website. I think it's, yeah, I think it's well over 70,000. It's great. And as uh, everybody knows, we, or should know, we participated in the Helping Haiti Heal event. The first hour of it was MuggleCast. And if you want to listen to that episode, which we consider to be episode 190, you can um, download it. It's now available in the feed. The entire four-hour event is in the feed. 
That includes MuggleCast, Hogwarts Radio, um, PotterCast, uh, the Harry Potter Alliance's podcast. All the podcasts all combined into one. We did one big four-hour bonanza. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we raised a lot of money, which is excellent. So, Absolutely. Yep. Well, in uh, other news, uh, Total Film Magazine previewed uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2. And, uh, you know, it seems like we're getting more and more previews now as we get a little bit closer. Not really, but uh, November will be here before we know it. And uh, director David Yates called Part 1 a road film. This seems to be the common term used for it, uh, saying that it was dynamic, adrenalized, and visceral. It's a refugee story about three kids cut off from everything they know and everybody they love being pursued relentlessly by people who want to murder them. So that sounds like a great kids movie, doesn't it? <laughs> but seriously, the, 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 I've 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 mentioned this on numerous shows now. This 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 road movie title. We we need to put a stop to this. I'm sick of it already. And we know the the cast and crew. They're all road movie, road movie, road movie. Just mm-hmm. don't know. He went on to uh, talk a little bit about the split, saying, "Do you break it with a moment of suspense or resolution?" So it doesn't seem like they have an answer yet as to where this movie is going to be split. I'm sure they have some ideas, yeah. but nothing concrete. I think they're going to play around with it. Like, you know, they're going to make – they're going to put the split somewhere, then sit and watch it and be like, hmm, how'd that feel? And, you know. So I'm sure we'll get some interesting insight into that once they actually make their decision and officially announce it, if they even do announce it. With part two, they referred to it as a big opera, a great big epic with huge battles. And – uh Ben's favorite uh, actress said that she felt like she was on a different film, as this one doesn't have the structure that the previous films had. Right. Um, so, what what does he mean by opera? Maybe there's going to be some singing. What's this? Is it a Horcrux? But wait, is it just a ploy by Voldemort? Wow. Did you plan that? that. No. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, you no, know, I didn't. He had that plan for like two weeks. <laughs> I just did it. <laughs> sure. But it should be interesting to see what they mean by opera. I get, that, that is pretty high praise. I mean, I think it's know, quite high praise, yeah. Big epic opera. It could be bigging Huge it up. Battles. It could be bigging it up in the wrong way with like music, like, you know, really opery music. That's not really a Harry Potter film. Now, is there really like is there really a nude scene between Dan and Emma? Or is that yes, just, yes? Like, like how nude are we talking? Well, it's going to be when Ron has the vision of Harry. Well, and her, how many different nudes are there? Hermione, uh, you know, kissing, and apparently we we don't know how nude exactly for sure. What do you mean that nude means nude? You can't have half nude. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, you, can. you can. You can have like nude from the waist up. That would be that would be half nude. No, it I wouldn't. Think, That's like. Anyway, go on, go on. We're I just arguing he- semantics. So semantics <laughs> it. I think Harry may be full nude. At least that's my hope. <laughs> no, uh, but I, 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 if I oh. were, if, if I were to guess, <laughs> I would say, I would say he's gonna be full nude. I don't know. I think he's ready for this after Equus. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're gonna put that in a Harry Potter movie. <laughs> Well, it's a little different, you know what I'm saying, but so I look forward to this opera. Okay. But also, uh, you know, we talked about the split a little bit, and the screenwriter, Steve Close, said that uh, he he thinks that it's going to be a, a, at a point that gives certain characters a good send-off, or a proper send-off, and uh, the only thing I could think of would, would be Dobby and his death, yeah. so who else do you have to give a proper send-off to? 
other than that. Yeah, I think that's right. And we saw photos of them filming the, those scenes, and it looks very sad. And, but yet a proper send-off. Right. Proper mm-hmm. send-off. That's quite a big uh, promise to make. That must it mean is. it's good. That must mean it's good. How can it not be? <laughs> they got to stop. You know, this is this is where we all get fooled every year, every movie. You know, we always hear this high praise, high praise, and then we actually see it, and, you know, oh, it wasn't a good send-off. Oh, it wasn't a road movie. Oh, yeah, it wasn't an opera. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Nonsense. No, a- actually, here's that what happens. Suck. Everyone sees the movie and they're like, oh, my God, that was the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> right. Best movie yeah. of all time. And then, then, like, 20 minutes later, like, oh, actually, I mean, it was like... It's okay, not that like good, yeah. Yeah, once you come down from the high... Avatar syndrome. Yeah. Well, the other big news that's been going on is related to the Wizarding World theme park and uh, fan sites. Harry Potter fan sites got a chance to talk with uh, Thierry Coop, um, who is the... I don't really know what his official title is, but he's like the head of creative. Vice for, uh, President for Univer- of Creative. For Universal uh, Orlando. Creative what? And That's the coolest name ever. Yeah, just... Just creative. He's just creative. So when he sat down with the uh, the fan sites, he specifically talked about Ollivander's uh, shop and uh, a little bit else about the theme park as a whole. But uh, this was all in relation to last week. Warner Brothers released uh, an official press release um, for the shop. And uh, I think this was the same day that USA Today did their whole hold your newspaper up to your webcam and... If you're on the website, yeah. it shows uh, the theme park in sort of a of a 3D feature. The augmented reality. I heard it. I heard it stunk. Like it. It really? hardly worked. Yeah. Oh well, they tried. I mean, it it didn't show anything new either. So. Well, it's oh, well. it's amazing the amount of detail though. Um, you know, one of the things that you know theory talked about or Thierry talked about was. Uh, you know, just the authenticity of, of how this park, uh, of this park, and, you know, all the work that's gone in with respect to having, um, you know, J.K. Rowling involved, having Stuart Craig involved, having a lot of the, the set and, and the set crew involved in, in, in bringing actual authentic items into the park, and, it, and if they couldn't use the ones from Leaves and Studios, how they were going to use ones, uh, you know, that replicate them. So, just a tremendous yeah. amount of, of detail that's going into this park. And with Ollivanders, you know, w- the cool thing that I thought about this was that if you don't get the right wand for you, because this, this whole experience of going through and, and, you know, the wand choosing the wizard, there's these mishaps that occur in the actual store. So you have like lightning and thunder that occur in the store if the wand isn't right for you, and if the one is right for you, there's a lot of other things that go on. Yeah, it's it sounds really cool. So I mean, it's really gonna replicate that scene in the movie where Harry goes yeah, and all on the wand chooses the wizard, Mister Potter. Uh huh. It's not clear why. Yeah, that should be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that. And then you have the choice of buying it for fifty nine ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's part of the experience and. You know, if you don't have to buy it, the experience is free. Right. You don't have to buy the wand, but obviously they're going to set it up so like you really want to buy that wand. And say, "Mom, mom, oh, yeah, mom. they're, they're, they're going to be doing all the tricks, putting all the pressure on you to yeah. get the wand." Yeah. Now you can choose to buy this wand for the price of 59.99. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I it's 
I, we don't know the actual price. price. Yeah. <laughs> it may be, though. And one of the things... So it could be a lot less than that. Yeah. One of the things he said they're working on is to, to get the wand to work in other parts of uh, Hogsmeade Village. So, oh, that would oh, be cool. insane. That would be so cool. Yeah. So, like, you can go into different stores and maybe activate stuff when you f- flourish your wand. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Basically, yeah. This could be, be dangerous. Very, very cool. Kids running around, <laughs> smacking their friends with the, the wands, poking them. Yeah. But this is a very involved process, though, he said. You know, it's it's going to be exactly like the movie, the, the, the wand keeper is going to ask you questions, um, you know, yeah. and you have to give specific answers in order to determine you know, what wand is right for you. Cool. And, uh, yeah, very authentic experience. He joked about driving around uh, the Ford Anglia, because I guess they brought it over from Leavesden. So he was driving it around Orlando. Um, what a show-off. Yeah, I know. And uh, he said he had a bunch of, like, mothers and children chasing after him. Wait, he was really driving it? He was it? driving it, yeah. No. They build those so they actually work? I guess so. That's wild. I don't know. Maybe huh. he was showing off. I think I think he was he, he was probably kidding. I don't know. I he, he went into uh, pretty big detail on it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you, do you guys like theme parks in general? Yes. But you li- I mean, but you guys live next but is to this one. nothing more than like a ploy, you know what I mean, to be like, oh. Well, what's a ploy? Well, I mean, think about it. Like, are they are they really building a theme park for like? Oh, we want you to have the real authentic. Yeah, but Hogwarts Ben, experience. everything in this world is like that. It's not like you know, like. Well, the world's a cruel place, Jamie. It is a cruel place. It is cruel, but oil companies don't be nice to us and give us the nice oil so we can heat our homes. They give it to us because it makes them loads of money. Are, are, ben, are you not excited for the park? No, but oil has an actual use. So does theme parks. It creates happiness in children, and I think that's a very important cause. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I was, I've tur- it's turned into I'm, I'm, at, I'm anti-happiness for children. Are you not excited for the park? I, I would say I would say I'm relatively excited. I mean, I'm not like jumping out of my chair to right. go to go theater or anything. Is because... there any one thing that you think they could add that would make you excited, or is it just because it's a theme park that you're not excited? It's not because it's a theme park. Like I just think I just feel like part of the magic was like Hogwarts was this world I created inside my head, and the movies have already deadened that to a certain extent. I have yeah. a hard time breaking free of the box that the movies put me in, and I feel like the the Wizarding World is just a further extension. Then, of do you that. actually and feel it that? deadens the it deadens the imagination? Then, no, I don't think this is fair. I don't think it's fair. I'm looking into his eyes right now, Jamie. He's tearing up a bit. I think he's pretty serious. That was quite an in-depth thing. I think I've created this world in my head, and that was quite emotional. No, I think, ben, I think that's serious, and I think he brings up a good point. No, it's a great point. I, and I, I, I mean, to be honest, like I'm not much of a, I'm not much of a theme park kind of person, right? And like, to, the, like to me, the idea of like you know, go, going into uh, a mock Ollivander shop and you know standing there and having them be like ooh this wand is yours or like they're just trying to sell you a product all right so what else is going on micah micah what else dude well just the the final piece to this interview that we had was somebody asked if there was any sort of expansion that was going to be planned for the park you know there there's all this kind of happy areas you know with hogsmeade and hogwarts but if was there any plan for you know kind of the more evil side of the series with uh, nocturne alley and azkaban and they said that um, there's nothing as of right now, but that doesn't mean that it's not uh, going to be in the works sometime in the future. Now, if there was like a field you could go to, like torture mudblood. No. <laughs> yeah, that's like my that. kind of theme park. <laughs> <laughs> 
so, but first you have to buy your wand from Ollivander. Yeah, and you then, damn. And then torture them with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I bet they will um, eventually expand this park. Yeah, Universal's got a lot of land down there. They obviously, you know, expanding the park would bring everyone back to the park again. I think it would be well worth their money. And I'm, I'm sure they're going to see Harry Potter. This, this Wizarding World is a big success. So. Okay, okay. Over, under. Over, under 30% of people will be dressed up going to under, Wizarding World. Under, under, under. Oh, no, actually, I'm not sure. Yeah, under. Opening week, I would say over. Maybe, maybe. However, I was going to say, when you take into account parents... I bet it's going to be under. Yeah, all the children will be, but it, if you think on average, um, each person will have two parents with them. Um, yeah, unless there's a family that has multiple kids. Yeah, then yeah, they, true, they true. Each have true. two, or if they have Although three parents. Although they may, they may not allow people to dress up and go into the park. All right, they may not allow people. You know, oh, that would dress- just isn't that just like destroying the spirit of? Yeah, the what would you want to yeah, do? Yeah, it, it it kind of is. Well, 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 because they don't want them to be confused with the 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 people working in the park who are actually dressed up too. Yeah, but yeah, one's going to be like oh. a twenty-two-year-old guy, and one's going to be a five-year-old kid. They aren't going to be working there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But you know, we know our own Eric Skull. He likes to walk around in a cloak, and he's twenty-two. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> he walks around New York City with but, a cloak. But, 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 but he looks like he's fifteen. <laughs> 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 All right, All right. What else, Michael? So, uh, you know, there's been some construction photos of the Wizarding World. It looks like things are, are coming together. Uh, and well, I hope so. They're opening up soon. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of them opening up, uh, actually today, the day we're recording uh, NBC's Today Show, um, is, is doing a competition to offer one lucky class the opportunity uh, to go to the grand opening of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And... Andrew, you said the details give a little bit more insight yeah. into when the park might be opening. Yeah, the the contest, they're going to pick the winners at the end of April, and or that's when the judging is going to go on to select the class who's going to win this trip. Are you a judge? No. I don't know who. It's probably like Al Roker or something. And then there has to be a 25-day, they have to book the trip 25 days in advance. Now, the whole point of this contest is to go down there on opening week, so... You know, if if the judging is happening end of April, then there's a 25 day advance booking. You know, it's 25 days advance booking. So we're looking at, I would think, an opening in late May, early June, maybe mid June. That's quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, When's when that is convention? when is Infinitus? July. Now, Andrew, are we doing a live Muggle cast at Infinitus? <laughs> Don't know yet, Ben. Get back to you on that as soon as I find okay, out. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah. So that's that. Very exciting. I, I wish I was in a cl- Maybe, no, no, it has to be, what, like elementary classes? No, it's, I think it's five yeah. years old through <laughs> 17 or 18. Take philosophy still. class. Let's get together and win this contest. Yeah. What are you talking about? I think about? you get told where to shove it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't want to go to Wizarding World? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Ben, I'll bring. What happened to the child inside, man? What happened to the child inside? You? I'll bring you along so you can like jump up in the back of the class and be that's a and say that's a great idea. Yay, Andy! All right. Well, this next story, uh, I kind of feel the way about uh, you know kind of how Ben felt about the theme park and uh, the Hollywood Reporter Heat Vision blog reported. You know, I think it was almost two weeks ago now that Warner Brothers will release both parts of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows in 3D. And this was later confirmed, I think just yesterday. 
what do you guys think about this? I think three so D three D movies like make me nauseous. So, so, so yeah, just like a roller coaster, I don't really right? Care. Well, yeah, well, what type of three D is it? Is it just a red blue split, or is it Avatar three D? I, I really not, doubt. I really doubt there's going to be. I doubt the whole thing's going to be in three D. There's going to be like three scenes. No, in no, 3D. no. This is whole, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. thing. The whole thing, really. Yeah. Yes. Then it's like two seconds at the end and two seconds at the beginning. No, they said and then parts. Half a second in between. <laughs> Put on your glasses. Take off your glasses. Put them back on. Take them I off. I hate yeah, wearing those yeah. glasses too. I just feel like a tool just sitting there in the theater. With those yeah. glasses. I don't yeah. care what everybody else is wearing. Well, okay, here's, here's, uh, Jamie's right. I think Jamie said this, or Ben said this. You get dizzy after watching this for a while. I came out of Avatar spinning. I almost didn't want to drive because, like, I felt uh, under the influence. I just didn't feel right. Yeah, dude, I heard about a bunch of wrecks happening on the highway because of people <laughs> uh, yeah, driving under the. No, Avatar. but really, you do feel dizzy after watching a three and a half or however, a two hour, 40 minute movie. And, and Deathly Hollows is going to be hopefully about the same length. So, I, I don't know. Like, okay, obviously WB looks at Avatar and says, wow, the number one top grossing movie of all time, or soon to be at least. How do we, you know, make that kind of money? Oh, let's put Harry Potter in 3D. I think that's their logic. WB is clearly all about the money. Do, they do whatever they can to make more money, as we saw by pushing a Half Foot Prince back seven months or whatever it was. So. And and 3D is in this year. It's like this is the thing. It's the cool thing to talk about. Yeah, and it's gonna get bigger. Yeah, and and they're converting the film to 3D, Jamie. So I assume that means it'll be like a red blue split kind of thing. Oh no, that means it won't be proper 3D then. Like, yeah, the whole thing about Avatar. Oh, that's gonna be rubbish then. That's yeah. not. Oh, that's a shame. It that's costs a complete. Costs about five million a film to convert. Um, well, that's n- that isn't anything out of their budget. That's like oh, yeah. 25th of their budget or something. And apparently they make a good amount of money off the glasses. That's ridiculous. Now, if they're smart, they'll make the glasses, the 3D glasses, Harry's glasses. I think that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that would be incredible. And they'll give out little lightning uh, bolt tattoo stars (laughs) to put on your forehead, too. Maybe MuggleNet should manufacture... 3D Harry Potter glasses. That would be incredible. That yeah, would so we'll just cool. go to our warehouse. <laughs> our 3D glasses warehouse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is important to note that it, it'll also be available in 2D, so you don't have to see it in 3D. But, oh, uh, but if you really want to waste your yeah, money, yeah. I don't think I, would. I think I will. If we do a quick poll, really? how many people are going to go see it in 3D? I will. I won't. I mean, Andrew will probably drive me along. I might so. do afterwards. <laughs> ben, I'll trick you into it. I'll tell you it's the 2D, and then at the last minute, I'll shove the glasses out the glasses yay surprise (laughs) you'll be like no (laughs) straight from the muggle net warehouse (laughs) the final piece of news is that um, Warner Brothers is set to purchase Leaves and Studios um, for both production and tourism so it seems like uh, WB's means of collecting revenue is endless on this series but it's a good idea Leaves and Studios is where they filmed all the Harry Potter films uh, Sorcerer's Stone through Deathly Hallows and they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, it's a huge production studio now. I mean, they've been, they've been filming there for what, ten years. Yeah, but how popular is it for other companies apart from them? Because are they gonna completely monopolize that, you know, some type of film producing thing if they buy it? It seems quite a big thing to buy a studio. I mean, how many studios are owned by 
movie movie companies. Like. I think the 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 interesting thing with Leaves Then is that it it originally wasn't a studio, and WB sort of converted it to a studio. Or maybe not WB, but uh, Heyman's production company. So. You know, they're buying it, and I think rightfully so, and it'll be a great tourist attraction. I mean, they said one of the things you'll be able to see when you go in there is the Great Hall. And, I mean, that is an iconic set. That is the one set you walk on, and you really feel like you're in Hogwarts. I don't think the theme park will be able to replicate that. I don't think any part of that exhibit could replicate that. I mean, that is authentic Hogwarts. Hey, who? so Heyday uh, Productions uh, owns Leaves In right now? Yeah, I'll look it up real quick. I'm not sure. Well, Andrew, you've been there. I mean, right? how far is it from, you know, say, the heart of London? Uh, is it is it an ideal spot to have a tourist attraction? It's about half hour, forty five minutes. But you know, th- there are these Harry Potter bus tours that go around the places that are used for filming Harry Potter, and you know, those are all day tours. So I don't think people will mind going up there. Um, Leaves then the first film to be shot at Leavesden was actually Goldeneye in nineteen ninety five, and Great uh, movie. it was acquired. Yeah, it was acquired by Pinewood. Um, to do other productions. So I guess Pinewood owns it right now, but really it's only been Harry Potter in there. Um, some Dark Knight stuff was shot in there, as well as Scum 2, which is coming out this year. I've never heard of it. That sounds nice. Sleepy Hollow, Mortal Kombat, Star Wars Oh, Mortal one. Kombat! <laughs> yeah. So it's got some history. And um, I, th- I think that's a Choose great idea. your destiny. We talked about that. I remember a long time ago, we were wondering, what would they do with all these sets after they're done filming? And now they can preserve them. Preserve them, which is great. Preserve them and make even more money off them. Yeah. Let's get to Muggle Mail now, and then we'll get then we'll get into chapter by chapter. Our I, first email <laughs> go ahead. comes from Renata. I, I actually I, I her, her name is she's from Brazil. She's sixteen years old. And there was a foreign exchange student in my high school who had the same name and it's Renata. It's not Renata. Renata, 16 from Brazil, writes, Hello, Mugglecasters. While reading Half-Blood Prince, I always had the impression that neither Voldemort's mother, Marope, is it Marope or is it Marope? Marope. Marope. Nor her brother, Morfino, had been to Hogwarts. You think all wizards have to go to magic schools or they have the option to teach at home? Please give your thoughts on the subject. Thanks for reading my email. Hinata. Now, I think J.K. Rowling's already answered this, and that that they do have the option to be homeschooled, don't they? I didn't. I don't think Hogwarts is mandatory. I mean, no, it's not, is it? You can't force someone to go to a school. There are always going to be different schools, and also, I guess you don't have to learn to use magic. I mean, it seems to be the way that you get along if you're a wizard or witch, but I'm sure you could just get a job and earn some money and just not use your magic. So. Yeah, but who doesn't want to use their magic? You know what I mean? Well, true, but if you've been brought up thinking that magic is bad, 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 and then suddenly you've, like, I've got magic, you could be a wizard-hating wizard, and then you're like, I'm not ever going to learn to use these powers because it will be really, really bad, and yeah, I'm just going to get a job and become a don't know, Think of a but job. why wouldn't they have gone to Hogwarts, though? I mean, they're part of Slytherin's lineage. You'd think that they would go there. Yeah, but Mike, if someone came around to your house and said, you know, um, do, you, do you want to come to my wizard school? You'd probably think they're on the sex offender register. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you get a real explanation. I'm, I'm sure Harry wasn't, you know, completely 
you know, what was Harry thinking when Hagrid busted down their door and like, you're a wizard, Harry? Oh, I think he should have been a bit more like um, critical, and you know, assuming he didn't even ask for any ID, he True. didn't ask for, for anything. Well, he was young; like he didn't know. Well, I don't think that's any excuse, Andrew. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of schools, the next email comes from Noah fourteen of Walsall, Wisconsin. We're all over the map with pronunciations today. Um, Dear Mugglecasters, I love the show, but I've only been listening for a short time, and I don't know if you have already covered this topic. Recently, ABC Family showed Goblet of Fire, and while I was watching, I realized that Hogwarts seemed to have a lower class and underprivileged vibe to it. When Durmstrang enters the Great Hall, they come in with their fire sticks and fur coats and come off as very upper class. Same thing with uh, Boba... Bobatons. Bobatons. <laughs> I forgot wow. how it was. Pro- I was. I forgot how it was pronounced. Wow. Sorry. They enter with a very professional-looking dance and a neatly pressed uniforms. Then the Hogwarts students sing the unrehearsed and off-key school song directed by their loony headmaster. At this point, Madame Maxime, Madame Maxim, Madame Maxime, and Igor Ig- Igor Karakoff. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, how are you a radio presenter? How are you so into podcasts I'm where you can't today. even say words? Sorry, I don't know wizard names. Scoff and stick their noses in the air. It just seems that the makers of the movie... I haven't read this book in a while, okay? Makers of the movie were trying to make Hogwarts look like the place where the Misfits and Weasleys off... And and Weasleys of society went. And the rich and pampered went to either Durmstrang or Bobaton. Just want to hear your opinions. Love the show, Noah. I don't think I, I, that's guessing, true. I think no, I don't think so, Jamie. You're wrong for several reasons. One, I think it has to do with geographical location because I it, think you're wrong on that. But more on that in a second. Go on. <laughs> more more on that in a second. No, because th- there are definitely a lot of people at Hogwarts who are privileged. I don't think people go to Hogwarts because they're poor or it's like the place for the Weasleys. Um, not to mention that the Triwizard Tournament only occurs once every however long, and I think that the reason they would show up doing all of this song and dance is because it's probably part of some type of you know ceremonial aspect, or uh, you know they're just trying right to that. make their school look more prominent than these other schools. But I don't think by any means that Hogwarts is on a lower level of like standard. I'd go a different way for that, and I would say that the key in his letter is loopy headmaster. I think it's just to show that Dumbledore's unorthodox, and he does it his own way, and he succeeds, and he's put his mark on the school. And he's always like, you know, it is your choices, Harry, go and bend, you know? It is our choices. (laughs) Wow. Wow, Dumbledore's dead. <laughs> Dumbledore's dead, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so, and he, you know, he's put his mark on it, and that's how he wants pe- people to sort of think that even if the song is weird and off-key, it still brings them together and binds them and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think, think you're right. It gives Hogwarts character, too. I mean, you see this school. Yeah, it does. And, yeah. and it certainly was interesting to suddenly be exposed to these two new magical schools who were extremely different than Hogwarts. Um, I think, you know, as a first-time reader, you're like, wow, look at this. There, there's, like, sort of different cultures within the magical community. Um, and we see that between Durmstrang and... Now, now, do you think it's a coincidence that, like, the people from Durmstrang, like, all seem to have, like, accents and, like... Well, they are from different countries, so... Yeah, so maybe it's related to geographical. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't true. you say that, Ben? 
at the beginning. Yeah, I did right. say that, but Jamie told me he was going to prove me wrong, and then he didn't. <laughs> no, Story no, of I was his just life. Say, Story oh, of his yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, I... <laughs> Hi, Micah, next email. Next email comes from Jake13 of Victoria, Australia, and he says, Hi, guys. I was listening to the latest episode when someone from Australia pointed out that they haven't seen or heard anything about the Ultimate Editions. I was curious and a bit sad myself until I saw them in a shop, Dick Smith, as DVDs, not the Blu-rays, though. Anyway, just thought I'd share. Mikey, Andrew, and Laura are the best. Uh, Cheers, Jake. We actually... We got a lot of emails about this. I was, we were definitely wrong. Um, they are available in Australia, not England. So, oh, Jamie, we'll Jamie, you can't get the ultimate edition. How does it make you feel? Pretty cut up. <laughs> Next Pretty email, up. Ben. Tony, twenty nine from Wisconsin. Oh, right. sorry, I missed Jamie. Jamie, did you want to read an email? No, it's fine. Ben started. He can finish. Okay. <laughs> Tony, 29, from Wisconsin. We've got a lot of Wisconsin going on here today. Writes, in episode 187, you were debating the reason Dumbledore hired Lockhart and decided that no other teachers wanted the position and Dumbledore was taking anyone that wanted it. Instead, do you think it is possible that Dumbledore hired him because he, like all the girls, had a crush on Lockhart? <laughs> or more likely, do you think that Dumbledore recognized Lockhart for the liar he was and knew that it, Lockhart would be exposed as a fraud by being in that position? More or less, Dumbledore's way of letting Lockhart expose himself? I think that's a good point. It's a, it's a tough one to know why he would. You wouldn't deliberately hire an incompetent teacher. Unless he was a piece Seems of eye candy. Unless he was a piece <laughs> of eye candy, yeah. And Dumbledore circles And I mean, Hermione was pretty clever, and she was fooled by his good looks. Do you think maybe Dumbledore was under the same spell? But like maybe. Dumbledore said, it's very hard to find a defense against art, dark arts teachers, the teacher these days. So maybe th he was the only one he could find. And I think this email is a little more, you know, on the joking side than anything else. Well, so so think. Dumbledore knew that like there was this curse on the position. Like, what? Like, how does that implicate him morally in making that decision? Like, if he knows that the person who takes on the position is not going to last through the year, and I mean. When they say he's not, they're not going to last, I guess that means that just like they're not going to make it through the job, that they're going to get removed from the job somehow. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to die. Yeah. So maybe that's how he was able to, you know, rationalize well, it. Well, maybe Dumbledore warns them, hey, this job is sort of cursed, as you've probably seen. I mean, you know, people, uh, we, we, we can't get someone to stick around for more than a year. I think they so may. He probably just gives them a one-year contract. But you know, if you think about it. The reason each one has taken it hasn't, you know, it's all been like Lupin took it because he can't really get work anywhere else and Dumbledore let him do it. Lockhart took it maybe because his e ego is so big he thought that he could do it. Moody took it because he's kind of crazy. What about Quirrell Lupin? Took it cause he, no, yeah, I said him because he can't get a job anywhere because he's oh, a werewolf. Oh, sorry. What about Umbridge? No, that's okay. Well, she, Umbridge obviously took it because, well, the ministry made her take it. I think um, so. That's a good point, Jamie. They all had their own unique motivations. Um, so you don't think Dumbledore could have a crush on him, though? No, I think he could. He may have. You think Dumbledore had a crush on Harry? Probably. No. Oh, I don't know. Do we really what? want to go there? Why? Why not? I don't know. I don't think it's an no. adult discussion, Andrew. We can go wherever we want. Yeah. Harry saw him as a no. Dumbledore saw Harry as as a child prodigy, as a friend. It. Dumbledore. I mean, come on. I. 
What? Okay, you explain. <laughs> Go what, ahead. What, what do you mean? Andrew, you Andrew, mean? Andrew. No, love I, knows no bounds. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't age just a number? It is, is just, just a number. All right, maybe maybe Dumbledore did have a crush on him. How could you? <laughs> How could you not? Uh, he is the boy who lived. Right. Do you think he did? Hmm? Do you think he did? I mean, I don't no. know. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Let's ask him. I know. Dumbledore. Dumbledore, did you have a crush on Harry? Why... Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, Dumbledore, do you want to explain that a bit more? <laughs> no. <laughs> no comment. Fair enough. It's uh, it would it would. Um, it's a private matter, isn't it? Would cause a lot of controversy in the wizarding world. He probably doesn't yeah. want to comment much. Delusional, delusional. Maybe Rita Skeeter can get on it. Jamie, can you read the next email from Tiffany? Yep, this is from Tiffany, 15, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh. This is, Pittsburgh. This is kind of a random question, but it's been bugging me for a while. How does Colin Creevy's camera work in Hogwarts? According to Hermione, electronics, muggle electronics don't work within Hogwarts, so how the heck is he taking all those pictures? There are probably a lot of more obvious questions I should be asking you guys, but I'm a bit of an overthinker. Anyway, Mugglecast rocks my socks. This is where Joe dropped the ball again. No. What are you talking about? Well, think about other real muggle objects that work in the Wizarding Name World. Name one. Well, the Ford Anglia is sort of... Uh, oh, wait a second. It just me was it encha- enchanted. Okay, so maybe the camera was enchanted. And that's not <gasps> electronics either. It's but mechanical, the camera has a flash. electronics. <laughs> the camera has a flash. Now, mm. how do... Like, throughout... Do we ever see a wizard camera in the books anywhere that, like, takes the pictures that... Are alive, you know what I'm saying? Like is a, it a special no. type of camera? Like, I, surely we do yeah. in the films. We do in the film, don't we? Doesn't someone I'm trying, I'm trying to think? I recognize a just a oh well, like memory the press. of someone taking a yeah yeah the press yeah yeah taking a photo that went on the Daily Prophet or something yeah. like yeah, that for Lockhart yeah. and so Harry you do kind of Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and the, yeah, the start yeah. of Half Blood Prince when you see the Ministry, uh, the, the press, yeah, 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 Harry and Dumbledore in the Ministry. Uh, there you go. Next email there comes from. Oh no! You just read an email. My turn. <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> next email. <laughs> this, is, this is a big one. This is hard to navigate. Uh, this next email. You can't handle it, Ben. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, you can't handle this next email, dude. You don't even know. You hardly know how to read. <laughs> dude, that hurts. I'm bummed. This next email comes from Liz of Arizona. Hi, guys. Love the show. Been a listener for years. I have some quick questions. Unfortunately, they have nothing to do with anything you've been talking about recently. However, I have some nagging questions that I thought I would share with you. Okay, here we go. Now, she's asking us three questions, so bear with us. Question number one. Why weren't the Weasleys in the order the first time? We know the Weasleys were not in the order the first time around. I'm assuming it's because at that time they had six small children. Uh, I can't understand that Molly might not want to be in the Order, but Arthur? It always puzzled me because they were so involved in the Order the second time around. Any theories, guys? Maybe because they had six children, and if Arthur had died, then it would have been one person bringing up six children. That's yeah. all I can think of, but I don't know. Well, it must have been hard, just even as two people, to to, to raise six children full-time. Can I just say, though, can I say, which is wizards complaining about bringing up children like you flick your wand and the diapers change dinner's ready yeah the <laughs> diapers change sorry I shouldn't say diaper really I should say nappy nappy's <laughs> been changed but 
Yeah, like, it's not exactly, like, I just don't, I honestly don't get this magic thing. Like, I remember in The Sword and the Stone when, uh, when Wart's walking with uh, Merlin and he says, now don't you think that magic will solve all your problems? Because it won't, but it just seems like it does. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's from, uh, that's from a muggle point of view, man. That's like, that's like not having an iPhone and thinking that the iPhone is going to, to solve all your problems. And then when you get the iPhone, it feels like it you know is better for a while then after a while you're like man you get used to it and it's just like it ain't no thing man what are you gonna say michael i don't have anything to say to that that's a good point although i was gonna say though molly's brothers were both in the order so maybe she kind of got a taste for what it was like and didn't want her family to be at risk any more than they already were question two what's up with harry having no grandparents uh Lily and James were quite young when they had Harry, about 19, 20 years old. We know at least that Lily's parents were alive when she was 11, and James's parents, I assume, were alive and well into his teens. I assume Lily's were alive, though, her seventh year, just due to logistics. Wouldn't there be another family member there to care for Lily and Petunia if they were underage? Yeah, I mean, I'm not so mm. much concerned about, like, the, the grandparents' side of things. Like... I mean, I mean, I think that, you know, it is a bit fishy that there are no grandparents, but I'm thinking, like, there's not even, like, a great uncle or a great aunt. Like, a, the grandparents had some type of siblings, you know? Like, the yeah. chances of that happening, of all of them being dead, are seem to be very slim. I guess it was a little too convenient for the story. It would have been too convenient for the story. Or maybe, I bet Joe has some story made up for the grandparents, why they're not around. Of course, you'll make one up. Yeah. Question number three. Wouldn't Snape be pissed that Harry named his kid after him? Severus Police. Um, blah, blah, blah. How I, P.O. do you I think Snape would be? Potter. How P.O. do you think Snape would be to find out Harry named his kid after him? How his name will forever be next to Potter? Yes, it was a sign of respect on Harry's part, but as Snape was never nice to Harry at all in seven years, regardless of the love he felt for Harry's mother, I cannot see him being okay with that. I agree. I think I, he would be annoyed, but the fact of the matter is he's dead, so Harry's like, this entire feud is over now, and I'm going to sign it by calling my son after you. Is he turning over in his grave? Is Snape turning over in his grave? No. Well, no. I think Snape dead. likes it, because Harry's related to Lily, and Snape is in love with Lily, and now Lily's child has But he was in love kid. with Lily Evans, not... Well, I guess he was always in love with her, but mm. I don't know if he... Oh, I don't know. It's, it's a very tough question to answer. It is. It it's really is. It's a good is. question, that one. All right, and final email today. Uh, ben, you go ahead. Stephanie White from Phoenix, Arizona writes, Hey, guys, I just wanted to make a few quick comments. First, in episode 187, when you were discussing the point that Dumbledore can sense where Harry and Ron are, and someone thought it was because Dumbledore can sense the presence of a hallow, well, even though in episode 189 someone wrote in and said J.K. Rowling said he simply used hominum, dude, this is so, this hominum revealio. Dude, this this does not even flow at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, even though in episode 189 someone wrote in and said that J.K.R. had said he used simply used hominum revealio, I definitely agree with you guys that it would have been much simple, been much too simple as that. I agree that that had that been the case, (laughs) 
Snape and many others would have been able to see where they are, and that spell couldn't possibly have worked because the fact that the cloak was a powerful object and no spell could penetrate it. <laughs> I, I did want to say, however, that I do not think that I do not I do I do not think Dumbledore would have recognized Harry under the cloak because it was a hallow, but perhaps because of the magic emanating from it. It is known that book two ties has ties to book six, and perhaps the whole magic, especially dark magic, leaves traces theme comes into play here. I thought that Dumbledore may have sensed Harry simply because he is a Horcrux. What do you think? Okay, but the the Hallows aren't really evil; they're just completely neutral. That's the thing about them. You use they just do what they do, and you don't really have any like innate evil or goodness about them. Whereas Horcruxes are completely evil. Through it through and through, whereas Hallows are just what they are. You know, like you can use the wand to do good, or you can hide under the invisibility cloak. Uh to know to help people, you know. I guess the stone you can't really help people with. Yeah. That just killed my point, sorry. So so Jamie, Jamie, would would you rather uh brutally murder uh three innocent puppies or make uh, three Horcruxes. Oh, well, surely I'd be making... Oh, see, you're saying, would I rather kill three people or three puppies? <laughs> yes. Well, like, to be honest, me- you know, people aren't very nice, whereas puppies uh, just do what they do, so... They love you uh, unconditionally. <laughs> they, Yeah, they they love you unconditionally, so I guess I'd rather kill three horrible, horrible people, but I can't say that in today's world, so I have to say, no, for the great... For the greater good, utilitarianism and everything, I'd kill the three puppies and probably cry. <laughs> Would you eat them? Was, was that, they're, not, they're not free-range meat, are they? <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't eat them then. I wouldn't eat them. Unless they're raised fairly and nicely, then I wouldn't touch them. I wouldn't touch them, no. I would still give them a proper burial. Okay, so that's all for the book of emails that we had this week. Now it's time for chapter by chapter. Like I said, we're starting off with chapters one through three of Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, what a book this was, oh, folks. What a book. It was. It was quite a book. And uh, Mike is going to go through the first, lead the discussion on the first chapter, and then I got the last two. All right. Chapters two and three. Why do you get two? I don't get that. Why, well, do, you, ben, why do you get you two you would have chapters? been more than welcome to have done one. <laughs> That's what oh, I thought. What do you mean do one? I could do one right now. I could do it on the fly and no, do it better than no. you ever could. Come on, let's go. Let's Ooh, that's into a challenge the show. there. That is a challenge. All right. All right. Great. Save it for next time. So the uh, the story opens up uh, with Harry, of course, being locked up in his room. And uh, it seems like he's doing a fair bit of work over the summer. He's stolen the... Uh, the little bits of pe- and pieces that he needs in order to get some work done um, from the cabinet or the closet that's under the stairs. And uh, I wanted to know, Jamie, is it traditional to have this this much homework in the UK over the summer in between school years? I don't know. It depends, really, what school you go to. Like, not enough that he's, you know, having to do it by, like, you know, candlelight or whatever it was he does it by. I mean, I guess he has to do it by that because of who he lives with, but I don't know. I, I'm trying to think back to how much work I, I got. It seems like so long ago now. Well, you didn't do any of it, so... Well, it didn't make any difference then. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess so. Some schools set a load. Some don't set that much. Do you think plagiarism is a problem in the wizarding world? No. When you, you can just point your wand at something, copy it, paste it, then do a charm on someone's mind so they forget about it. 
you could copy anything. I could be the author of the Bible or like Shakespeare or anything just by doing casting a few simple charms. Interesting. Right. Onward, Micah. So, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about, about Harry had to go downstairs and, and kind of steal some of his stuff back. And I want to know, why is it the Dursleys are so insistent on making it seem like Harry doesn't exist? They hide his spell books, his broom, his cauldron, every little thing that they can except for Hedwig. And um, they ensure that he doesn't speak at all with the neighbors. Now, to me, this would seem suspicious if you were a neighbor of the Dursleys. You know, so are their actions you know, doing more harm than good. But that, you, I think that's a really interesting point, but that completely goes in with what people have done throughout history. Like, if they just accept it and just say, you know, just be normal and just don't mention your magic, but it's like, it's like, you know, people always try and suppress the things they don't like, and then the people just rise up and are really, really mean to them. It's like, I think when robots come out, you know, get created, like intelligent ones, humans will be like, oh, no, no, we have to control them and enslave them, because otherwise they'll rise up against us and force them to work. And then the robots will be like, well, hold on a minute, we're ten times as powerful, and we're just going to kill everyone. But if you, you know, treat the robots well and say, please, could you work for us, because, you know, you don't get tired, and we do, and you, you treat them as human beings, basically, then they probably won't rise up. Sorry to go off on a tangent. <laughs> well, I think it just really bothers the Dursleys a lot to see anything to do with magic. And, and they they dread, you know, when they know Harry's about to come home for the summer, and then he comes home, and they're like, oh, it's that magic. And he pro-, and they're freaked out because, you know, with every year he's spending out, at Hogwarts, yeah. he's learning more and more magic, so he's probably weirder and weirder in their minds. And... Um, yeah, I think they're just they're just paranoid that, you know, magic could backfire on them or, you know, Harry would do a spell on them, something like Off that. Off Dudley's pigtail as well. Right, right. Yeah. Well, uh, th- the next uh, point about the telephone incident is, is pretty much more of the same. Uh, his uncle goes absolutely crazy when Ron calls. Um, and, he, and he really treats Harry like, you know, why would you give this number out to anybody? But what, what does Vernon Dursley think is, could possibly happen as a result of Ron having Harry's phone number. You know, well again, I mean Ron Ron calls him and all of a sudden he hears, "Hi, how are you? Can I speak to Vern or to Harry, please?" And like Ron obviously doesn't know how to use the phone. Right. And so Vernon just gets really annoyed by that. And I I I th- I kind of think I understand that. You do. If someone I don't like his friend is calling me, you know what I'm saying? If I was in Vernon's position, I think that would be annoying. Yeah. Well, Harry also makes a note of the fact that if Hermione had called, uh, it would have been a little bit different. That he thinks that she would have been able to uh, not mention all the stuff related to Hogwarts, which which I thought was a little bit of a knock on Ron. Like, not not that yeah. he's stupid, but just that he's not very shrewd. Yeah. All right. So. Harry uh, ends up getting his first birthday card and a present from Ron, who is off vacationing in Egypt. Now, a lot of people sent this in. This wasn't my own original thought. But what is up with this quote-unquote poor Weasley family spending money on a vacation? Aren't there better uses for their money? That they won. Yeah, they won the money. Yeah. (laughs) So that they won the money and and they're poor and they decide to waste it on a vacation. That's but silly. It's the cooler freedom, isn't it? It's like, oh my god, we have all this money. What, what are we going to do? Oh, let's treat ourselves because we haven't had all this money yeah. for so long. So let's. And Ron does tell Harry in the letter that most of the money is going um, to the trip, but they're going to buy Ron a new wand for next year. Well, couldn't they? You know, like 
invested food. Yeah, and invested or I I don't know. I mean that 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 is a typical thing as Jamie was saying among like poor families. You know, to like when when you get when you when you get a lot of money, it's like you've never had that much money to begin with. So, you know, there's a, a tendency to mismanage it. I would say. Mm. Yeah, and I you know now I really don't have any sympathy for the for the Weasleys anymore. Like they clearly don't know how to manage their money. This is a good example of that. So well, I can understand why to take a, a bit vacation. Of with you know, them. I mean that that's all well and good, but. You know, the, the J.K. Rowling makes a point of how poor they are in every single book. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah she does. Andrew, you should probably have a bit of sympathy with them, considering half of them are dead now. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, what I meant was I have no sympathy for them being poor. Because I mean, they clearly don't manage their money. What What if they got an awesome deal? Like, what What if a trip to Egypt usually costs, like, ten, 50 like, million five, gallons, like four, yeah. four times what they paid for it? Yeah, because it's yeah. still waste. Because if you invested it, you could probably get you can maybe get. Yeah, but a Andrew, of- Andrew, what happens if a uh, trip to Egypt normally costs a billion gallons, and they got it for seven hundred? Well, Egypt is an- Egypt is a, is a sure thing, Andrew. An investment, <laughs> you don't know when that's going to pan out or if it's going to pan out. Yeah, right? that's a trip right. To Egypt is a sure Who's thing. Who's guaranteed? That's fine. But when you continue reading this book and books after it, and hear, oh, we're so poor, we can't afford anything. Just think back to the Egypt trip. Trip. Yes. I know, because then they could have, like, ten more waffles. <laughs> waffles. Yes, that 700 would go... Uh, a- a- anyway, to- onward. Uh, Harry gets uh, a pocket sneakoscope from Ron, uh, which Ron tells him is supposed to be uh, used to catch untrustworthy people. And uh, he claims that it went wild at dinner with the Weasleys, and Ron thinks it's because Fred and George played a prank on Bill and uh, put beetles in his soup. But it's really because uh, his pet rat, Scabbers, is not who he appears to be. And uh, one thing I wanted to point out about this picture, though, is that if they don't go to Egypt, the picture is never taken and Sirius never sees... uh, Yeah, so that's probably why they spent their money on Egypt trip, and now Andrew (laughs) hates them for it when it was hit. (laughs) The plot, it had to happen for the plot. Yeah, Yeah. but Percy, Harry notes that Percy looks smug in the picture, and I'm wondering if that's a little bit of foreshadowing of things to come, because why would he look smug? Does he realize he has a plan to go against his family? He always looks smug. (laughs) He is a smug, like, yeah, he is. He's pompous anyway, perhaps. All right, maybe it's all foreshadowing. Maybe everything's foreshadowing. Well, yeah. he, he looks that way because he's been made head boy, right? Oh, I guess so. Okay. But no, it could be sure. foreshadowing. All right. Um, so he gets a, a broom servicing kit from Hermione. And uh, he always seems to be uh, overly surprised by what Hermione gives him. It just yeah. seems to be that way throughout the book. She always gives him some cool gifts. Uh, and then Hagrid ends up giving him the, the monster book of monsters, which he says will come in useful in his third year. And uh, we all know later on uh, that it does come in useful. And then yeah. Harry, in addition, uh, gets a letter from Hogwarts, and uh, he's faced with the problem of needing a parent or guardian signature in order to visit Hogsmeade in his third year. As I know this is morally wrong, but I always thought that Harry should have just forged the signature. Maybe they can test against it. Oh, maybe. 
Yeah, I, know, I mean, that's what that's what I would do. Like in, in school, they would always try to you know give make you sign have a permission slip to like watch a movie that was inappropriate, like, yeah, or something like that. And I and you know the teacher would pass out the permission slips, and I just give it right back to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get this signed so fast? Oh, my mom was outside in the hall. I was gonna ask with <laughs> yeah. the uh, the monster book of monsters. You guys think that's just another example of Hagrid not realizing when things are actually dangerous. Hey, while I'm thinking yeah. about it, um, the, um, while I'm thinking about Ben and his impressions, um, it's Warwick Davis's birthday today, Ben. Oh, come Warwick, on, Ben, yeah. Warwick Davis. <laughs> Can you do a big one for his birthday, huh? please? Yeah, go, Ben. Do, do a huge one. Davis. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my. Hey, ben, ben, ben. Take it ten stages further. <laughs> ten stages further. Warwick, Warwick Davis. <laughs> Warwick Davis. <laughs> Thank you. Still don't know how that Mark came about. Davis. It's obviously not an impression of Warwick Davis, but whether the aforementioned activity really did happen. <laughs> okay, so chapter two, Aunt Marge's big mistake. We're introduced to a really uh, cool character. Well, not cool, but interesting character, Aunt Marge on Trunchbull. Um, oh, sorry, not on so, Trunchbull. What am I talking? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, we'll, go on. we'll get to her in a minute. But um, first, the chapter starts with our first mention of Sirius Black through a report Harry sees on the TV, and Uncle Vernon, in his typical judgmental attitude, judges Sirius as being simply no good uh, just because he looks filthy. Uh, there's a picture of Sirius on the screen. Oh, wait, wait. When they're like, fugitive, man on the run, need to capture this guy. You don't think that that had anything to do with his judgment? Well, <laughs> no, no, because Uncle Vernon says, no need to tell us he's no good. Look at the state of him, the filthy layabout. Look at his hair. So Uncle Vernon is saying, well, if you've been you know, in prison for 13 him. years, don't you think you would uh, <laughs> look a little You're grubby? You're going to be wearing a suit. Grubby. Yeah. Uh, okay, and, and related to this, we have a Twitter question sent in by Luisa, Luisa Luca. When you first read it, did you remember Hagrid's mention of Sirius in Sorcerer's Stone? No. When he borrowed his motorbike. Mm. That, that one. Did anyone remember that? Micah, did you? Uh, probably not when I read it the first time. Yeah. Good point, though. I don't know. I, I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, So we learn that remember. Aunt Marge is visiting the Dursleys for a week, and Harry must act like a muggle or else Vernon will not sign this Hogsmeade permissions form. Um, so, you know, it's a little game, and now Harry's like, oh, I can handle this. It'll be hard, but I can do it. Um, and Harry recounts all the times that Aunt Marge has come over and been a real annoyance to him. Then, you know, so Aunt Marge arrives, and she comes out swinging at Harry. She tells him she would have sent him straight to an orphanage if he was dropped on her doorstep. Which, may, you know, the, the Dursleys, nothing but judgmental attitudes through all of them. Would she have really taken Harry straight to an orphanage if, if he was dropped on her doorstep? Because she doesn't even know that Harry is a wizard, which is the prime reason that Vernon and Petunia don't like him. So what, what do you think gives here? I mean, is Petunia that mean? If any person, little babies, showed up on her doorstep. I think well, she's being a bit coming up, like... they, they say that the father, you know, the father was a drunk. Like, you know, like the family was worthless. So, yeah, yeah. from her perspective, you know, if you come from trash, you are trash. So, she would more than likely would have just uh, gotten rid of him. Yeah. Which is not I very guess. nice. But she doesn't know anything about Harry. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, that she would have... Well, yeah, but she's judging I it based off of what Ben just said, off of what Petunia and Vernon have told her about right. Harry's parents, which is complete 
you know, BS anyway. The wrong way to do it. But why? Yeah. Why? That's the question. I mean, when it comes, when push comes to shove, Petunia is still Lily's sister. So you got to wonder why she's made up all this crap about, uh, you know, her family. Just mean. Just bad, bad romance going on there. So Aunt Marge continues her berating of Harry and finally pushes him over the limit when she says, quote, if there's something wrong with the bitch, there'll be something wrong with the pup. And Marge's wine glass suddenly explodes, and she believes it was her own fault, but Harry, Vernon, and Petunia know it was Harry's. You know, Harry loses his temper and then can uh, uh, do magic without even really intentionally doing it. Um, so this this brings up a, an interesting question. Why was this not more of a warning sign to Vernon? Um, we know that Marge likes to berate Harry, but why can't Vernon be the smart one here and say, Harry, all right, you obviously can't control yourself. Go up in the room, stay there, so to prevent any further problems. Why Why would Vernon not, you know, do anything about this? I don't know. It, it would make sense, and I don't know that Vernon always makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. You'd think I that's think what he I, would do. He would say, stay up here, boy, but wouldn't Marge ask questions? Wouldn't she say, where is he? I guess so. But he could make excuses like he does for everything else about And him. maybe he likes that Marge has a go at Harry all the time. Maybe yeah, he enjoys it. he gets to watch. Yeah, it's entertaining. But this should have been a warning. That's my point. He should have kept Harry in his room from there on out. Because who? I mean, she could have. She could have exploded next, which she sure did. Um, and another Twitter question at this point sent in from Bailey Michelle: When Aunt Marge comes to Privet Drive, why doesn't Harry just try to stay as far away as possible from her? So this is basically what we were just asking. But um, I, I think. Harry can't. Harry was told by the Dursleys, stay there. Stay here. Let Aunt Marge berate you because that's how she validates herself in life. So on the final evening of Marge's visit, she is again insulting Harry and his family. And Harry can't take it. And his anger leads him to unintentionally make Marge swell up to the point of where she's floating in the air. Um, And this, of course, causes havoc in the Dursley home. and, And Harry makes a run for it. And this leads us into chapter three, the night bus. Well, I think it's funny, though, the wrap up that chapter, how she makes him blow up. So he makes her blow up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of karma, complete karma. But also, I think it sort of sets Harry's like um, like mood for the entire series or his like stubbornness and anger. And his anger is always quick to below the surface, you know, and he can't take stuff when he he stands up for what he believes in. He can't just accept stuff blindly. Yeah. So it, it's quite a good scene, apart from the fact that it leads perfectly into him getting the night bus. So chapter three, the night bus, the chapter begins with Harry ending his run. You know, he's sort of out of breath and tired. He realizes he's in a really bad position at this point. He's got no place to go. He's got no money. And he's likely expelled from Hogwarts for using magic outside of school again. So he starts plotting ways to get to Hogwarts. But then all of a sudden he's disrupted. He he, he senses that somebody's what what exactly happens? He, he sort of senses that somebody's watching him or something. Yeah, his hairs prickle up, don't they? And then he's like this. Mm. He realizes that there's someone or something watching him. Sees it, and then the night bus comes up. Yeah, but right. it's, it's a weird like causation there because it's like he trips over, which signals the night bus. And if he hadn't tripped over, he would have it wouldn't have come or something. I don't know. It's a weird scene, that bit. Yeah. Um, 
so and this is also you know as we know harry thinks he is see he saw a dog and as we find out later or we can kind of gather he saw sirius and i'm wondering if the nice night bus hadn't appeared just a moment later would sirius have transformed into himself and spoken with him or was sirius sort of just trying to keep a careful eye on him you know what would sirius have done would he have killed him obviously not (laughs) i'm eating but I think doesn't doesn't he say later on he just wanted to catch a glimpse of him, and so he probably might not have done anything. He might have just like r- run away. Yeah, Cause I think it, more. What, I think more than anything, he was just looking out for him. Right. Yeah. And what have stepped he in? Just wanted to see him. Yeah. Um. So as luck would have it, the night bus appears just as Harry focuses in on this dog, and it turns out this bus is for witches and wizards, exactly in Harry's situation stranded so through the daily prophet um you know so harry gets on the daily prophet meets stan and the driver and uh he gets a a hold of a copy of the daily prophet and harry learns a little more about sirius black and all and his alleged attack on 13 people 12 years ago and then the night bus finally arrives at the leaky cauldron after uh dropping a bunch of people off blah 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 blah. so then fudge explains so they get to the leaky cauldron and Fudge is there, waiting for Harry. And he grabs him by the shoulder, gets a tight grip on him to make sure Harry maybe doesn't run away or whatever. And Fudge explains how the Ministry cleaned up Harry's accident with Marge. And Fudge doesn't berate Harry at all. And is actually quite nice to him. You know, he's treating him nicely, which is completely different from how we see Fudge treat Harry later on in the books. And the Ministry as a whole. Um... So And Harry picks up on this, how nice the ministry is, and fudge, and he's, oh, it's okay, it's fine, everything's fixed. He senses that something is going on behind his back, Harry does. Um, Michael, why do you think fudge is acting this way? Because he realizes that uh, quite possibly the the biggest criminal ever under his watch has now broken out of, of prison, and Harry's in danger. Um, and I don't think Harry knows, or he doesn't think that Harry knows that he's in danger. And, uh, you know, he's doing everything possible to to keep Harry safe. Um, but it's kind of... A, yeah. Sorry. No, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say, it's kind of, like, ridiculous that he would even think about disciplining him. Because, I, I don't know, it just seems to me, it's like telling someone who is, like, I don't know, I, I can't think of a direct example, but I guess, like, a swimmer who hasn't broken their personal best, telling them off for not doing it when they can't control themselves yet. You know, it's like you can't tell someone off when he can't control his magic. The school has to teach him better. Then if he, like, if, you know, anger does that, then it's a fault with what he knows rather than him. I don't think he's been naughty. Like, I think it would be a bit harsh to say, you know, you've been bad, you've been a bad boy. Yeah, I think it's it's about Fudge, though, acting in his best interest, and that's all Fudge has ever done. In this case, his best interest is protecting Harry. In, in Order of the Phoenix, it's protecting himself and the Ministry. And, you know, that's that's his character. I mean, it, it, he does, you know, he, he's kind of overwhelmed by the power of it all and doing what's best for his image. Yeah, that's true. And what's best for his image right now is to protect Harry from who they think is Lord, from yeah from who's Lord Voldemort's greatest supporter supposedly reading back on the series it is very interesting to see fudge acting like this i i was taken aback i was like what 
So Fudge leaves Harry at the Leaky Cauldron, where he'll have a room to stay in, which is very nice. And Fudge encourages him to go nowhere outside of Diagon Alley. So just stay there. You'll be safe. Blah, blah, blah. Um, you think he's being watched in Diagon Alley? Like, you, you know, he must be. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to... There has to be some type of protection. To order the Phoenix. Like, he never knew that, that Mrs. Fig was watching him and Mundung is Fletcher. But yeah. I wonder if he's yeah. got people watching him during Prisoner of Azkaban. I bet so. Um, so... That does it for the three uh, for talking about the three chapters themselves. Pretty, um, you know, basic chapters. Not too much to discuss. It'll, it'll get deeper as we go along. But a couple movie comparisons we found. You know, the Monster Book of Monsters isn't a gift from Hagrid uh, in the movie. He gets it while staying at the Three Broomsticks. Oh, that's my mistake. Um, it's the Leaky Cauldron, not the Three Broomsticks. At the Leaky Cauldron. Micah, Jesus. Um, another comparison. Harry learns about Sirius while on the night bus from Stan. Not from the news, like he does in the book. And also in the movie, Harry doesn't learn Neville's name on the night bus, as he does in the book. I think, I'm pretty sure, in the movie, right? He's just like, he. they know he's Harry Potter. Well, they don't know. Stan asks him his name, and he's like, he's like, I didn't get your name, or something along the lines. And Harry says, I never gave it to you, or something. And then Stan realizes, oh. once he drops Harry off. Oh, okay. That it was Harry. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that was one of the the more simple things they could have kept, you know, to keep it consistent with the books that he gives Neville's name on the night bus. Yeah, it would have been funny. So, um, like I said, that does it for chapter by chapter this week. For episode 192, our next episode, please send in your feedback about chapters 4 through 6. And you can do that by going to MuggleCast.com and clicking on Contact, and you can fill out the feedback form. Um, all right, and just a final email about this chapter. Kyle31 of Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, brings up a couple points. Is September 1st a Sunday and the 2nd a Monday every school year? Turmer always starts on September 1st with a feast followed by the Monday of the first day of classes. So a good point. Maybe in the Wizarding World, the days don't change. The calendars don't change. That is an interesting point. That's a book mistake. Wow, that... <laughs> Must be a bit mistake, yeah. And uh, also from Kyle, interesting foreshadowing by Uncle Vernon when he feared Sirius Black would be walking up the street several days before Sirius really that did is come quite to interesting, the street. Yeah, yeah. I didn't ever think about that. Yeah, foreshadowing. That is... If you if you just read every book thinking everything's foreshadowing, then you can pretty much predict the plot. Right. I guess. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> Why didn't we just do that? I don't know. We should have. What were we thinking? We were inexperienced back then. Next time, my friends, next time. All right, to wrap up the show today, we're going to talk about an email we received about J.K. Rowling, and it's negative. It's, it's very negative. It's um, interesting. It's from Anna Park, 18 of Ohio. She writes, Hello, I've been listening to your show since it began, and I'm afraid I have to disagree, possibly violently, with Andrew's declaration that the intricate plotting of the Harry Potter series is proof that it transcends children's literature and is a work of, de- work of depth and meaning. While I won't deny that J.K. Rowling is an engaging storyteller, she has done no more with her story than generations of Dungeons & Dragons game masters, who are capable of exactly the same level of writing, have done with theirs. The only difference is that Miss Rowling, being at liberty to publish her work, has made a metric trainload of money. If you look at the Harry Potter series, it's really just an amalgam of cliches and forced symbolism, starring a hero whose genericness goes beyond acceptable acceptable limits and a villain who, quite honestly, seems to have attended the snidely whiplash school of villainy. 
It is this particular point that irks me most. How the whole wizarding world came to fear Voldemort is anyone's guess. When, he all, when all he does is stand around and talk, occasionally killing someone or ordering his band of criminally inept Death Eaters to bungle something. Excuse me. That's like saying all Hitler did was stand around and talk. Like- oh, I, I, I- can I just say, I completely agree with you, Ben, on this point. Like, the whole people are terrified of stuff they don't know about. Like, you know, the if the person who wrote this, I think if you read any type of literature from the Nazi era or Mussolini or any type of dictatorship now, you'll realize that it's living in fear, which is the thing that does people in it. It hasn't got anything to do with what happens in public. It's being terrified that your neighbor will tell on you and you'll come back and see the dark mark you know which is obviously the wizard analogy over your door it's the politics of fear that's why Voldemort's a perfect villain not perfect in the literary sense i agree that there are better written villains but he's by no means like a bad villain just because of the way he talks when she's writing for a particular audience Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Continue, Andrew. You'd think someone could just sneak up on him during one of his monologues and take him out if they weren't all cowering in their homes, fearing what the author had told them about him instead of what he had actually done. If Voldemort was any sort of villain, he wouldn't have gone down so easily over several points in the series to children. Now, would I rather my own children, should I have any, read Harry Potter than most of the other trash about teen angst and relationships that might be available to them? Of course. But would I hold it up as an example of solid literature, one that does deserves to have college courses based on it? Of course not. Twists, turns, and foreshadowing in the plot are not deep thinking or profound analysis of the human condition. They are merely signs of clever, clever writing, something you can find in many video games. Although I would argue that there are video games with more depth to them than Harry Potter. While Harry Potter is, due to its gripping story and wide cast of likable side characters, certainly an enjoyable read, it does not deserve to be hailed as anything more than a staggeringly popular book for children. Wow. Can can I ask a question, though? I mean, she says twists, turns, and foreshadowing the plot are not deep thinking or profound analysis of the human condition. Yet, all we do is analysis, and you listen to the show. So yeah, aren't you kind of contradicting yourself? Well, maybe we're not analyzing. Well, maybe she's deep. taking a shot at us then. <laughs> that any anal- if, if the if the series itself isn't deep, then any analysis we do couldn't be deep either. I think she brings up like it is a valid point, but I think like you know like it's not the best like you know literary stuff ever. But as she says, it is an engaging book. But like her being at liberty to publish her work is all very good now, but, you know, writer, any writer knows how hard it is to get anything out of the door with, like, 25 rejection letters. So the fact that it's achieved commercial success means it's achieved a standard that is, is you know, obviously deserves recognition. So, Well, I think I that's one of the biggest issues with people recognizing the Harry Potter series as what I believe to be the remarkable, well-written book series that it is it's become so popular people just think it's popular because it's popular you know what i mean it's like it's it's just the thing it's just what's in but people don't realize people haven't read the books don't realize how great the stories are no but but you know it is a black swan like she brings up a do you guys know the black swan thing i was reading about it Yeah. yeah yeah like it is a black swan because there are books like it that haven't got as popular and it has it has just got extremely popular whether that's down to the great writing which some people would argue or the fact that it just appeals to children no one ever knows you 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 know it's like Hemingway didn't get popular when he was still alive but after he died he got extremely popular so genius is completely dependent on the culture around you I think like well I, I don't think I don't think popularity determines genius 
No, no, it doesn't. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, to a reader now, James Joyce is not going to be a particularly good read, I don't think. I personally wouldn't choose to read it. I don't doubt he's a genius for writing, excuse me, what he did, or Tolstoy, or something like that. But I think if I was going to write a book that I wanted to get published now, I wouldn't go that, you know, 10,000 page thing. You have to go for something snappy. You have to go for something readable with you know, with um, today's, like, fast-paced society, and that's a lot harder than writing epic novels. And, like, what she has done, which is create s- seven books, is is genius, because you, you know, ask any author how hard it is to get that amount of money pumped into you. It's, it's damn hard. I think she has to be commended on that, but I do agree that some of the twists and turns are written for children and will always be written for children. I agree with that. I agree. But there is something about the Harry Potter series, and I, maybe we could talk about this more next week. I'm sure we'll get some feedback about this. That really is incredible. And I think, like Anna says in her email, you know, the characters are fantastic. The plot is fantastic. I, I, and there are some deeper um, – there's a lot of deeper meanings to a lot of the things we see in the books, uh, you know, in terms of love. Um, the Horcrux stuff I thought was pretty deep. I, I would like I would like to see a uh... – uh, when she says forced symbolism, I'd like to to hear like her justification, like in term. I mean, her explanation of what's like unforced symbolism, you know? Yeah. Because because I think I I like Andrew, like you were saying, I think there are a lot of deeper points to this, and like the whole idea of overcoming death and all of those things, like that's not that's not forced, in my opinion. Yeah, symbolism Maybe. is like very basic and primal as well. You don't really get. You get new ways of saying symbolism. You don't really get new symbolism. Maybe all, we just know. do such a good job of explaining the symbolism on the show that it looks forced. But really, you know, we're just that. we're just genius. I'm kidding. So yeah, send in your feedback about this email, uh, Anna. Feel free to send in more, and uh, we have your IP address, so we'll know if it's not actually you. Um, so nobody's sending fake emails, but we do look forward to seeing what people think about this. Certainly an interesting point to discuss. And listen, we're not going to be, you know, we love the Harry Potter series, but we certainly, uh, entertain, uh, people writing in and looking for, you know, giving dissenting opinions, descending of the, thank you. Okay, so a couple announcements before we wrap up the show today. Don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. We ask you all the time, and this episode is no different. And it's a new it month. Is, uh, Fugglecast February. <laughs> what? Um, oh, no, no, no. Mugglecast Mebuary. It's actually funnier if we change the letter of Mugglecast, so Fugglecast February. Start doing that instead. And also a reminder, we will be at infinitus2010.org. They've actually recently... We're be at the website? Well, well actually, <laughs> actually, Ben, I guess you asked me earlier if we're doing a podcast, and I said we can't confirm or deny it this time, but actually we can because they put up a rough, rough schedule of uh, events. They put up a pre- preliminary schedule, and we're currently scheduled to have a MuggleCast podcast on Friday, July 16th at 5.30 p.m. So, yes, we will be at uh, Infinitus. We will be doing a podcast. We encourage you all to come. It will be in Orlando, Florida from July 15th to the 18th in the resort, in the Universal Orlando Resort, which is where the Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park is. We'll all be going over together to ride the rides together. We'll be having a great time. We'll be doing panels and hanging out with everyone. Oh, such a good time. How how much time are you thinking? How how many days? Are you going to go to Wizarding World multiple days? Like Maybe... At least two. At least two. Now, could you see yourself like spending like all day, every day, like ten hours a day no. there? No. No. Would that be weird? 
Yeah, because there's only three rides. <laughs> so. Oh, really? Man, imagine three how rides. long those lines are. I know. It's going to be a long line. So it's going to be yeah, long wait. Yeah, we'll be waiting forever. There will be three rides, a few shops, going, and I think one restaurant. And, you know, I bet they'll have other little things going on in the. Now, is the butter beer going to have any alcohol in it? No. What? No. Ben, no ben you, you can, can add top your own. it up with Jaeger. <laughs> have, have a Jaeger butter beer going. That'd be insane. Uh, only if you're 21. So again, infinitus2010.org. Register. We'll see you there. It'll be an amazing time. People have been there. You know these Harry Potter cons before. You know everybody loves them. They're a lot of fun. We should talk about it more in depth, maybe on an upcoming episode. Okay. So before we let everyone go, we want to remind you that MuggleCast.com is the site where you can get all your information you need pertaining to the site. Just. Uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mugglecast. Or twitter.com slash Ben Shane. <laughs> or twitter.com slash Lawrence Jamie. Or facebook.com slash mugglecast. And uh, you can also visit the Mugglecast website to write an email to us, which we love. We love to hear from you. Just go to mugglecast and click on contact at the top. Better be good, though. Make it good. So that does it for the show this week. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I am Jamie Lawrence. And I am Mike Tannenbaum. We'll see you next time for episode 192. Bye. So long. Bye-bye. Welcome, everybody, to episode 190. What? Wait, no. Is this is this 190 or 191, Micah? Uh, is this 200? No. <laughs> no. It's 191. Well, it's one, isn't it? You made the oh. Haiti. The oh, Haiti the thing. Haiti show is 190. Oh, I see. Try again. Isn't she in <laughs> Costa Rica? Why uh, did you say Costa Rica? That's the co- stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's obviously Costa Rica. <laughs> Do you really say Costa? No, no. I, I don't say Costa. I say Costa. Costa. Yeah, there you go, Ben. That's perfect. Try it again. Costa. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> this is exactly what I was talking about. Perfect.